Most people, until they get to a certain point, they confuse this incredible love that is seeking expression mm -hmm. in this world mm -hmm. from inside of them. And they misinterpret it as they're wanting love. Say because that that, that's another say that again. Um, so, so most people, when they experience this enormous love inside of themselves that's waiting to be expressed, having to be expressed, they misinterpret it as want. I want love. I want people to love me. I want to love, you know, uh, someone special. I want to beat the love of my life. I hear this so often. You got to accentuate the positive. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just fad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hi guys, welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. Boy, have we got a show for you today. I'm speaking with Michael Tamora. Look, we talked for about two hours. <laughs> I'm doing this after we've uh, finished recording. And I have to say, it's worth listening to every second of Michael Tamora. It's absolutely profound. So many aha moments. Bill Bennett told me he was amazing and he was not wrong. Bill Bennett, who I spoke to a couple of weeks ago about his movie, PGS, Personal Guidance System. And he spoke to like over 80, 86, 89 different spiritual teachers across the world. And he said, you know, Michael was one that made a huge impact in his life and he's not wrong. But I just wanted to check in and ask you to remember to subscribe and like and to leave your comments under the YouTube or in the iTunes or you can send us an email if you have some questions but also to sign up to our mailing list. I've had some specials on, on personal sessions, guidance sessions and some of the courses that we put on. So if you want to get hop on board for the specials and learn more about that and if you want to deepen your spiritual practice and tap into your intuition or higher self or your guides, your mob, as I call them, you can do that with personal guidance sessions and also the online gatherings we have next year. We're going to be putting on some more seminars, online seminars, being more structured in our teaching about how to tap into your own personal guidance system. Also, we're going to be teaching more about deliberate creation, law of attraction, how we navigate that and talk to spirit and all sorts of things next year. So if you want to stay in touch with what we're doing, please go to the website and sign up to the newsletter, karenswain.com. Stay tuned for Michael and remember to listen all the way to the end because he just keeps aha moments. They just keep happening every time. He just speaks and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. He's such a wonderful spiritual teacher. such an incredible human being we're so lucky to have him here on earth he says that his voice is a bit staccato because he had um, an operation on his throat cord throat vocal cords lately so he says please apologize but he says that right at the end if you stay to the end so enjoy the show and remember to like subscribe join the mailing list hello and welcome to another show accentuating positive with karen swain i'm so delighted to introduce you to michael tamora today Hello, Michael. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be on your show, Karen. And, uh, you know, Michael, tomorrow, today, <laughs> like tomorrow, today. <laughs> oh, tomorrow. 
Michael Shimura. That's very Australian. Michael Shimura. <laughs> I'll do it tomorrow. That's very Australian. Yes. Very clever. <laughs> Michael Shimura. Um, yes. You know, I was just telling Michael that um, the cats come to say hello. Hello. Oh. Um, I, I was speaking to Bill Bennett about his fabulous movie, Intuition, PGS, your uh, personal guidance system. Intuition is your personal guidance. And we were talking about how many people he had on the film. And of course, you're in the film. But he said, I interviewed like 86 or 89 people and a lot of them hit the editing room floor. But he just, just a little off the cuff thing. He said, you know, the one that made the most impact in my life is Michael. He really helped me. And I thought, right, got to speak to Michael. <laughs> Let's check out Michael. <laughs> so it's been a pleasure to check you out and see you. Wow. You're amazing, amazing man. Let me just tell people about you. I'm going to read your bio here. Celebrated spiritual teacher, clairvoyant, visionary, and award-winning author of You Are the Answer, Discovering Your Soul's Purpose, Fulfilling, Discovering and Fulfilling Your Soul's Purpose. Michael, you obviously grew up um, in Japan and uh, Michael lives the miracle, spiritually aware from a child. You see everyone as they are, the immortal soul. And you guide thousands of people to their healing, awakening, and true life purpose. Drawing from years of intensive training, profound past life recall, which is interesting. We'll chat about that. And uh, I've lost my place now. Nightly out-of-body sojourns, four decades of teaching and giving clairvoyant counseling, and a lifetime of extraordinary experiences, including having physically died three times in full consciousness. I've actually watched a couple of shows with you talking about I thought you had four near-death experiences. I have five now. <laughs> That's probably a little bit older. <laughs> anyway, we'll talk about that too. Born and raised in Japan, yet educated in American schools, Michael has spent a lifetime bridging gaps, not only between the East and West, but between men and women, young and old, heart and soul life in the afterlife, and above all, between humanity and divinity. Oh, that's beautiful. Beloved, uh, he's beloved around the world, spiritual teacher, clairvoyant, yeah. And, of course, as I said, I, I, I found out about you through, through Bill Bennett, the beautiful Bill Bennett. Yes. And you've been on a lot of shows. You've uh, been featured on CNN, NBN, The Lisa Show, The New Ricky Lake Show. Oh, look, all these um, Earth, Gaia, you've been on Gaia TV, The Aware Show, Hay House Radio, ABC News. You've been around, Michael. <laughs> well, when you get as old as I am, <laughs> you I'm get done. around. Yeah, old at all. How old are you? Uh, turned 65 this year. Ah, spring chicken, spring chicken. <laughs> but, you know, you've had all these amazing clairvoyant experiences and I wanted to talk, I wanted to address that today because there's so many people are awakening to their, oh, let me put it another way, are their clairvoyant intuitive experiences are coming on tap as they meditate you know everyone's meditating more and doing yoga more and they don't know what's going on so I really wanted to address that in this conversation today mm -hmm. we can go over um, your near-death experiences too I've told people because I think I heard this on another show that your life plan from your soul's perspective had finished during one of those um, near-death first one yes and, and your guide said, okay, you're done. You can come home now. And you said, no, I'm going back more work to do. Is that right? Well, not quite. It was when I, I was in excruciating pain physically right. at that time. And I was just getting to that point and it just went on and on. And I was curled up and, and I said to God, I said, 
God, you know, I don't know how much longer I can continue like this. And bam, that's the first time I dropped dead. And um, I was on the other side. Uh, Archangel Michael came and escorted me to like a halfway house, <laughs> to a, uh, like a boardroom where there were, besides him, there were four other great beings sitting by this nice, beautiful table. And there was an empty seat for me. I get escorted there. And the first thing they said, it's like total celebration welcoming. And they said, welcome. We've been waiting for you. And you're done. And um, you've done way more than you've signed up for. <laughs> and so you're free to stay on the side, work with us, continue your work as a spirit guide. Wow. And or you can go back because, you know, there's, you, you're free. You, you can do whatever you want. And the funny thing is, when you're in that space, I mean, there's no pain. There's no darkness. There's no time. So I'm sitting there drawing a blank of, it doesn't matter to me. Either way, I can stay here. I can go. Same, same difference for me. And then I'm getting, oh, here's my chance. Here's five incredible, magnificent beings of wisdom sitting there. And I said, okay, what do you guys uh, think? You know, is it better? Would it be more beneficial, not just to me, but to anybody involved in my life, if I stay here and work with them from spirit, or if I go back in the physical and work there? And they didn't miss a beat. They just said, all in unison, they said, if you go back, you'll be of so much more benefit. So there, making a decision like that is easy. I didn't have to think twice. I said, okay, then send me back. <laughs> but it wasn't until I started to be, you know, I was escorted back by Archangel Michael again. And as I'm starting to get escorted, then all of a sudden I remember my body and what kind of condition it's in. <laughs> and I go, oh, yeah, by the way, and I'm coming back quickly to here, and I'm turning back to them and saying, I think I'm going to need some help because the healing, because if I go back in that condition of a body, I don't think I'm going to be of any good to anyone, including myself. Mm -hmm. And I hear, all I hear is, fine. <laughs> fine. Yeah, they're, they're very economical. <laughs> they don't go on and on and on like I, I do. I go on and on and on. But they very just go right to the point. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, but there was all this tremendous love. And, and so I, I knew it was going to be fine. Mm -hmm. I come back, yes, lots of pain. But immediately in my um, what was it? left ear, I hear this voice going, Go to the computer and look up um, uric acid. And, well, why I was in excruciating pain, I had this thing called traveling gout. It's right. gout, which is a very acute arthritic, you know, yeah. horrible, horrible. But the uric acid gets stuck in all the joints and they yes. swell and it's painful. Exactly. For most people, it gets stuck in one joint. 
like usually a like the lower knee or yeah, yeah. lower extremities. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mine was in every single joint, he, including the sutures in your skull, and the little bones in the ear. I mean, it was, it was bad. And so, I had done enough research up to that point where I could get a PhD in goutology. <laughs> Yeah, so when I hear this, go look up uric acid, I'm going, I know about uric acid. He said, just go look it up. Okay, on the computer. Great. I go Google uric acid, same stuff. I've already read everything. I've already looked at everything. It's all on there. But I always ignore the commercials, you know, on the right side of the screen. Yeah. They have paid advertisements, right? Yeah. I never looked at that. But something turns my head over there, and at the top of it, I see this ad that I've never seen before. And it's a new product that just came out at the time, maybe like a month before. So I never heard of it. And I said, maybe that's it. I click onto it. This is kind of a very basic website. You can tell they just got started. And so it's mostly, you know, text heavy. But I read it, and I'm going, whoa, it's written by the founder, and he had gout as bad as I did. Wow. And he scoured the earth in search of uh, more uh, natural answers, you know, herbs and, and things like that. So he tried out everything, 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 and then finally he came down to five ingredients that helped him heal his gout and the five ingredients he listed right there because he said well even if you know what these ingredients are if you don't combine it in the right form in the right way it doesn't work it's magic well i read the, the five ingredients and they were very common garlic uh dried aged dried garlic uh yucca plant mm. yucca root mm. uh milk thistle mm. uh um what do you call that? Uh, cumin, you know, cumin. Yeah. And turmeric, uh, turmeric. Yeah. And um, uh, one more thing. Or was that? No, it was one more. Uh, uh, no. But whatever it was. Anyway, um, we can Google it. Yeah. And I, I said, wait a minute. I've kind of reviewed my diet and what I've been not intuitively taking in more and more garlic, but mine wasn't dried aged garlic. It was raw garlic and, you know, cooked garlic and stuff. Mm -hmm. I just was putting it in everything. And then milk thistle was something my younger son, who was into a lot of nutritional stuff, told me, try out some milk thistle. It should be good for you. So I started using milk thistle extract. And then I was using a lot of turmeric, putting in everything. Not mm. because I liked the taste. I just knew I needed more of this stuff. Mm. The only thing out of all that, the five ingredients I hadn't gotten to was yucca root. Yeah. It's not that easy to get from grocery stores, right? Mm. But I thought, okay, he's onto something. Because intuitively, I knew these are the same substances that I, my body needed. So I ordered the uh, supplement right away. 
And but it's going to take you know a few days to get there, get here. And then I see in the bottom after I read everything, everything made sense, and a lot of it was what I've already known from my own research. But it was the first time that I read anybody write about certain things that I didn't know yet. And so I thought, okay, this guy has done his homework. So I order it, but on the bottom it said, if you have any questions, email me. Okay? I, I wrote a full email, three-page email, describing my experience and what I was doing for it. Mm-hmm. And at that time, it, was, it got to that point, it was so bad, I decided, even if I ate anything that I knew was okay for gout, it went berserk. It was horrible. So I thought, what do I do? And I thought, oh, I could fast. I'll go on a water fast. I know I could do that. There's no problem. Mm. It started off good. The first two, three hours, I felt lighter and cleaner. Mm. But then it came back with a vengeance. It was a hundred. That's why I ended up dying. (laughs) It was so bad. But I didn't know what was causing it yet. So I write him, and at the end, I said, yeah, and I've been on a water fast for the last eight hours or so. And it's just, everything is horrible. And he writes right back. I mean, this is like, whoa, okay. And, and he says, first thing, get off of your water fast or any kind of fast right now. He said, you would do better to eat half a cow and drink uh, a bottle of wine, which is both really bad for cow. Um, than to be on a water fast. And he explains, if you fast, you flood your whole blood system with uric acid because you start losing weight. And you cannot afford to lose weight right now, especially fast. I said, okay. Then my next question was, there's nothing I can eat that doesn't make it worse. So he said, okay, you have to, uh, you know, I said, there's only so much iceberg lettuce I could eat, and that doesn't give me any real nutrition or you know energy. And he said, "No, uh, you need to eat uh, brown rice, but only with raw organic almonds. Don't eat those two things separately because it's not going to be good for you." Well, I've tried both separately, and it wasn't good. But he said, "Together, okay." And then eat uh, sweet potatoes. And, and organic would be better, but sweet potatoes, any way you like it, and put a ton of uh, sour cream or yogurt. I thought, wow, strange thing. But I did it, and that gave me enough calories and kept me from losing weight. Let me ask you, Michael, was this happening before you had your NDE or after when you were having this? Was, this was, this part, oh, the, Gout was happening long before. Yeah, yeah, the gap, but the, the, the healing, the, 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 the diet. The diet, I was on a pretty strict diet to try to control this thing and keep it at bay for about eight years. Well, why six, maybe why didn't years. your guides or angels just heal your body for you after you came back? If you've made... Well, Yes, that's a good question, by the way, because some people, especially some people who've had near-death experiences, right? Yeah, yeah. Even one. And yeah. what Even killed one. them, what, what killed them was, let's say, uh, you know, 
uh, last stage, final stage cancer. Cancer. But even if they had final stage cancer, many of them, when they come back, it's almost like not instantly, but within a very short time, cancer's gone. Mm -hmm. Not me. <laughs> I know. Why? Yes. And, oh, don't you? Uh, you better believe I asked those questions. But, but it's, I know myself. I'm one of those, see, as a healer, some of, you know, I'm one of those like a Dr. Frankenstein that experiments on myself first. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in animal testing. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's a few people I might want to test it on, but <laughs> I, I don't believe in animal testing. But I do believe in trying it out myself. And I've always been like that, even when I was a kid. And I realized after going through, you know, the, the, the death part wasn't a problem. The, the pain, that was uh, mm -hmm. very debilitating. And it was so really hard. It was almost as if your soul was saying, okay, rather than getting the guides just to like, okay, fix the body, change the molecules of the body so that it all works out. I'm going yeah. to experiment on diet because I can help other people who have better. So I'm going to yes. find out what works for me. Yeah. And I think a lot of healers and spiritual teachers do that. Do that. Yeah. Then, but the spiritual seekers, both those who are seeking healing, those seeking enlightenment, when they see the spiritual teacher have cancer or, you know, drop dead. <laughs> Or, yeah. or, or, or very sick in some ways. Yeah. They discouraged them. They go, God, if this supposed teacher or healer, great healer, is like that, well, what chance do I have? Or is this person a fraud because they can't you know, heal themselves? Yeah. Shouldn't mm -hmm. healers be the the picture of health? Some are. I've known healers that are so amazingly vibrant right yeah they have one little wart on their body <laughs> but healing isn't just about the body as you absolutely. know absolutely you know this is a question years ago probably over 10 years ago well yeah well over 10 years ago uh, my husband and i went to see sai baba and ah, yes. he was old and sick and everyone was in sydney were like oh sai baba we hung around with a lot of sai baba devotees and they insisted we go see this amazing man right so he was old and sick and decrepit and it took him like 20 minutes to get out of his little buggy and sit in the chair and everyone applauded and i thought it was hilarious because when he was younger everyone would applaud because he did all these miracles exactly. now they applaud because he can sit in a chair and he was yes. so old and, and sick and decrepit and he was like but he's a guru. Why is he sick and like it was exactly that question. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And you know, we each have a different path. And like I mentioned, some healers are meant to be great medical doctors and work on the physical body, even if you know a lot of spiritual people don't like medical doctors and allopathic medicine. And I'm not that fond of it myself, but I don't. I never, I have great respect for doctors and I'm one of the first to go to a medical doctor if I need body help, yeah. right? If I need surgery, I'm not going to do it myself. <laughs> Plus, all my friends are great, you know, psychics and spiritual healers and whatnot. So I can 
get everything I need with amongst my own community, but somebody who's a specialist in certain aspects of body work. I'm not a specialist and I never intended to be one. Uh -huh. So as a healer, my forte isn't curing cancer. Although, hey, there's been quite a few people. I had just shook their hand or spoke to him or for a few minutes or whatever, and the cancer's gone the next morning. Mm. But did I do that? No. That person, that soul was in a, when I met, when I've had, was part of uh, that type of dramatic medic, uh, miracle healing, yeah. where a, a physical condition, oh, one time I gave uh, communication to this blind girl, and then in the middle of it, her sight came back, and she had been blind for 10 years, right? Wow. Completely blind for 10 years. And next thing, while I'm talking to her, she's looking over my shoulder and reading this poster, that the words on the poster, and she's mm -hmm. crying. And she goes, I, I, I can read, I can, I can see. Mm -hmm. And I go, what are you reading? Oh, hey, you can see with your physical eyes now. Mm -hmm. And so... It was, all I did was one little thing. And when those kind of dramatic physical miracles happen, yeah. usually I'm the lucky one that they've gone through everything they needed to get through, to get to me. And all I do is say hello to them, recognize them for who they are as spirit. Mm -hmm. And I give them kind of an internal permission. Mm -hmm. Hey, you got all your ducks in a row. All you have to do is push the button. And I usually can give him the communication, information, or exercise or whatever, and they push the button, and the miracle happens. But I can't take credit for that because I didn't do anything. I'm like the last person in the reception line shaking their hand saying, nice to meet you. Yeah. And then the miracle happens. It's really about their journey, isn't it? Because, you know, yeah. you see this with people that go to see John of God in Brazil. Like yes. every because of the, all the miracles that happen, people go expecting a miracle. But like you said before, healing is not just about the physical body. It's about the emotional, mental, etheric, you know, as, you know, there's so many parts to us that yes. are, can be distorted due to past lives, so, you know, ancestry stuff, this life, like it's just so, we're so big. And exactly. so the healing is happening on all these layers before this physical body and a lot of people that go to John of God don't heal, but they are profoundly changed. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what you're talking about when you talk about healing. Absolutely. Because body. every single one of us, doesn't matter who, doesn't matter your life, lifestyle, anything, every single one of them of us is here to learn. Yeah. So, you know, some of us learn through getting sick physically. Others of us learn through having called accidents you know some of us learn profoundly because we get married thinking this person is my the love of my life and then you get dumped or you just can't handle that person and scream and run away <laughs> and then something happens so it doesn't matter how we go about it uh, we each have our way just like some people go to art school to learn Others go to medical school to learn. Others go to uh, liberal arts and learn all the general studies. Mm -mm. So we all have our different ways.
And yeah, as I say, we're here to experience. And um, so we were having a chat before, you know, I pressed the recording about mum who died yeah. of 50 of cancer and now she's back. And she's, you know, this young adult fulfilling a whole lot of desires that she didn't fulfill in that last lifetime. But one of the desires, obviously, when you're sick, when you experience illness in a lifetime that you don't heal from, yes. in that next lifetime, you really address that. And so exactly. I'm interested to see how she's going to be addressing, you know, the past life of dying of cancer and because she's fulfilling all the other sort of more i wouldn't call them superficial but they look more superficial career and all that sort of other stuff that but even that is really important because when you fulfill see karma is nothing more than desire a continuation and, of desire yeah so yeah. Through when, a lifetime. when you have a desire mm. it doesn't matter what the desire is but you have a desire then if you fulfill that desire, let's say, you know, uh, I want to win the Olympic gold medal in javelin. <laughs> and, and, and I train, I practice hard, I devote my life to, you know, doing this. And I go out, I get selected for the team, blah, blah, blah. And I get to the finals. And then I trip and don't. You know, I can't even throw the thing and I fall on my face. Well, that isn't the karmic part. It's how I deal with it, right? So I could, I mean, there's been many great athletes doing both ways. One, just they go into a black hole. They beat themselves up. They can't stand themselves. They hate themselves for doing all that and then failing at the last moment. And they knew they could have got the gold. They were in line for it. They blew it. And they can't forgive themselves. Mm -hmm. Or some athletes are incredible because that happens. And sure, everyone feels bad at first. But then they get up, brush off the dirt, and attend to the, you know, little cut or what scrape, put a Band-Aid on it. And by the time they're interviewed, they're going, you know what? Yes, I'm disappointed. But life isn't about getting the gold medal. That's what I learned from this experience. And there's so much more to life. Now, and Michael, this, I just want to reiterate this because that is an aha moment. Karma is not about what happens to you. It's about how you deal with it. Yes. That is an aha moment, that one right there. People the, think, you know, this happened to me because it must be karma. It's like, no. <laughs> that didn't happen to you because it's like that happened to you because you wanted to know how you could deal with it like how are you going to respond how are you going to ah oh, it's just see yeah. karma gets a bad rap because everybody thinks of oh you were you were a murderer in your last lifetime that's why you're having such hard time this time yeah and and um i was a murderer way back when but i still have hard time this lifetime <laughs> 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 because what the karma is, is not being able to forgive yourself. Yes. See, there's no karma when you forgive yourself, yeah. others. It's forgiveness isn't one-sided. You can't just go, oh, yes, you know, you're, uh, I forgive you and hate yourself. Yeah. Or you can't go, I, I can't stand you, but I'm forgiving myself because I'm fine. 
Yeah. Oh, I want to tell you, I want to tell you a little story. Um, we're way off track what I want to talk about, but that's fine because I knew this would happen. <laughs> I knew you had so much to say and it would bring up. You know, when mum died, we weren't very happy. I was a teenager. She was a sick woman and we had a lot of fights, right? We didn't hate each other, but we didn't have a great relationship. But when she was, after she was dead, I, um, I did, uh, like I talked to her, um, you know, and we had that forgiveness thing go on, right? Yeah. So why did you, why were you so grumpy with me when I was a child? I asked her and why did you love the boys more than me? And she said, oh, please forgive me. And then she told me all her reasons. So we had that. We had it out, right? Yes. And when she came back, and now that she's back, and she, we have a really close relationship. Yes. So we kind of dealt with the forgiveness before she was even in the physical body. Had yeah. we not dealt with it, when she came back into the body, I'm sure that tumultuous relationship we had when we were physical before would probably have continued. Don't At you? least a little bit, yes. At least because a little bit, yeah. It has to come up. See, karma is an opportunity. You, you get to do it again. Yeah. What you regret it before. So, so whatever it is, you know, let's say you didn't complete something or you didn't get to that place of forgiveness with your mom before. If you hadn't, and then she just went on, and let's say you were not aware spiritually and just yeah. thought everything was physical, yeah. gone and all that. Then when she came back, you wouldn't know she's your niece and, and, oh, this is, you know, this and that. And, oh, my God. But you, you would have a little tension and yes. a, a, kind of a minor love-hate relationship at first. Yes. But then, because you're older now and wiser, you might just go, oh, but she's just a baby. She's just a little girl. And, and then, oh. So you start to see her more for who she is rather than what she does or how she does it, exactly. you know, how she reacts to things, her personality. Exactly, which is the way you see people. I love this. This is the way you see people. It says in your bio, you know, like that you don't actually see the personality. You don't see the stressful thoughts or the subconscious limiting programs. You see the soul choosing yes. to have a, and, you know, when you meet people, you see I like to think I do that too. Yeah, you do. And, <laughs> oh, thank you and, for that. But because um, I think I do that, you know, like I feel like I do that. But uh, tell people how they can do that more. Like, how can people do that more and not be sort of deluded okay. by the personality who's being nasty to them or being violent well, to them or whatever? That's very simple, actually. Mm. I mean, just looking at you, how do you do it? Well, the first thing I see how you do it is you're interested in people. Exactly. Right? And how can we, any of us, be ever interested in anyone or anything if there wasn't love? Yeah. Right? I'm not interested in anything I hate. <laughs> I can't plan. Or, or even if I'm, I'm not interested, I'm not interested. It's just like indifferent. Mm. Right? But if I'm interested there's always a component even a tiny bit of love i'm very interested say in music yeah i love music mm. right but more than anything i'm most interested in god yeah spirit whatever you want to call that yeah and so so that is the my overriding interest that's what i love the most and that's why 
I see auras in people. I see the light that people are because that's what I love. That's what you're interested in. Oh, that's so brilliant. Because that's your passion. That's your purpose. Yeah. Um, yeah so like, you see the God in everybody. You see their, their higher self, their God. First. See the God first. You first. see that first. Yeah. Right. And then it's, you know, uh, I've known very sensitive uh, psychic people who are like me, like that. Mm. But that's all they see. And they forget this person has a personality as well. Mm-hmm. And this person may be a lot more in their ego personality right now than they are their spirit self. Mm-hmm. And so if they don't see the whole thing, since they're here in the physical, that ego part of the other person could wipe them out. <laughs> you know, they could pull out a gun and go, bam, you're dead. And that person, of course, probably would be able to forgive, but go, oh, I have to start another lifetime. Yeah, yeah. Oops. Did I didn't mean to get knocked off oh, just because I told this person what they couldn't have. See, this is something I'm sure you've experienced time and time again throughout your life, being a healer as you are. You're a giver. You want to give, give, give. And on top of which, you see what people need. You might not see 100% of everything, but you see enough of what they need right now most. And so you go, oh, let me give that to you if I have it, or let me tell you what you can do to get that or whatever. And maybe earlier on in your life, especially three out of five times, they might have just slapped you, you know, energetically, says, get out of my face. Or at least... Just go, oh, uh, you know, I have have an important day. Uh, I have to go to, see you later. And they're gone. And you go, did I say something wrong? No. It was, you gave too much. Oh, interesting. So some people, like, for example, it's, uh, you might be really um, appreciative to somebody. And you go, what can I get this person? And you love roses. So you go get the finest dozen roses at the florist, pay a lot of money, get it all nicely wrapped up, ribbon, and present. This person gets instantly angry at you and throws those roses down on the floor and goes away and says, I I thought you were my friend. And you don't know what happened. You later find out they're deathly allergic to roses. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And But how are you to know? So what you're saying is we give... We give to others what we most are interested in or appreciate, as you say. Like you're saying, yeah. I'm most in, I love music, but I most love God. So I give God to people. But you're saying, but not everybody, like Rose, can have it. Can have it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's Some a people. Mistake a lot of spiritual awakening people and healers exactly. make. It's yeah. a big mistake. I've made it many, many times. So I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, as yeah. you know. <laughs> and, and so. How I deal with it is, well, I've had so much experience with this. Yeah. I can handle people getting upset with me. Right. I don't take it personally. Yeah. <laughs> because I know what I'm doing. I'm pushing it. I, when I see somebody, I don't usually do this with just a total stranger. But if I see someone who's coming along, and this is the opening for pushing the envelope, 
just a little bit. If I push too far, they won't ever talk to me again. But if I push it just a little bit beyond their comfort zone, but not too uncomfortable, they're, they're going to be kind of brusque with me at first. But three days later, they're going to call up or they're going to say, oh, yeah, hi, Michael, nice to see you. All that's under the bridge, all the water's under the bridge. They don't even remember they got upset with me. They, they got past the comfort zone and got comfortable in this new space. Even though it's just a little bit, it's, they grew. So in those situations, I'll do that. But how anyone who's watching this could start to notice, you don't have to be clairvoyant per se, although right. everybody is, mm. but you're going to pay attention. Then if you start to, in your enthusiasm, you start to give to somebody, even just love or, or communication. It's a nice day. You know, it doesn't matter. And then you notice the other person is getting a little bit fidgety and uncomfortable. The normal reaction that a healer person has is, oh no, I meant to cheer her up. Mm -hmm. She's getting more uncomfortable. So I have to do more. I have to give more. I have to do better. Wrong. Pull back. <laughs> Pull back. Yeah. You just already gave too much. Right. <laughs> so sometimes just how enthusiastic we naturally are is too much for people who that are happened. in a great deal of pain. That happened to me when I was doing a personal growth course when I was in my 30s. I started having these aha moments. <gasps> aha, aha. And, you know, knowing myself as love and being love and being loving. And, and I was at lunch and there was this old lady who just hated me. She just hated everything <gasps> about me, right? And I looked at her and I told her her love. I loved her. And she just yelled at me. <laughs> Go off and go. <laughs> I <hate> you. <laughs> that perfect, perfect example. It was so that funny. It was so funny. violent. And everyone at the lunch table was like, oh my God, what did you say to her? And I told her I loved her. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was a handle it. Yeah. That she was such a perfect. It. Yeah. Yeah. Great demonstration. <laughs> and in fact, you know, we were talking about your mother when you were growing up. Part of that tension and some of the areas where you couldn't get along with each other was that your mother had a lot of pain. Oh, yeah. By the time, by the time you arrived, she already had a lot of pain. She did. And, you know, actually, her getting the cancer was part of her healing. Wow. That wasn't because she was bad or she had bad karma. No, it was karmic in some ways, but it's not because of anything bad, negative. It was part of her healing. You know, when you're able to really confront, look at with compassion, the pain that you've carried in not only this lifetime, but in prior, but even just in one lifetime, especially as older we get, we collect a lot of that. Some of it's not even ours. You know, mm -hmm. the pain of our parents that we couldn't heal mm -hmm. and we were angry with ourselves or disappointed with ourselves because we couldn't save them. Things like that. We carry that until we're able to let it go, forgive. And, and so your mother already had a great deal of emotional pain, especially mm -hmm. when you came in 
you came in with both guns loaded. <laughs> you are like Annie Oakley, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and you have so much creativity, lots of power, right? Creativity is power, creative power, energy. So you come with all this enthusiastic creative energy. And to see uh, an old friend that you really love. And you're going, hey, I'm here. We get to be together. And she goes, like that lady at the lunch. You know, you go, I love you. And she goes, fuck you, get out of here. Right? <laughs> it's angry. Doesn't oh, mean. I don't, I don't want to make it about me, but hopefully this will help other people. You know, what's yeah. really interesting, Michael, when I was born, I, d I had eczema all over my face. Yes. And apparently it was in the thing. Some people said to me, it was like an ex. And I'm like, really? And mum apparently didn't pick me up for the first six. She didn't pick me up. She didn't touch me. We yeah. had a nanny where dad was quite wealthy and she didn't pick me up. Apparently the nanny looked after me for the first couple of years. She just, she ha apparently she hated me. So it's so interesting that you're, yeah. up. you're totally yeah. talking about that. And but, did she um, really hate you? No. No. The hate was all the fear and the pain. That's all it is. So anytime we see people who are very hateful, there's plenty in the world. They're in so much pain. Pain. So that's expressed as fear and pain. I want to go back because I know there are a lot of people dealing with, you know, I've just on Facebook, friends, sisters are dying. Lots of people dying of cancer. It's just, mm -hmm. uh, I was looking this morning on Facebook at a beautiful woman called Karen Quant who left in October and beautiful healer who left young of cancer, probably around the same age my mother was. And how is getting cancer part of their healing? Because I think that if people could look at people with illness and sickness and cancer and see it as part of yes. their healing rather than as something, uh, yeah. That, that, can you unpack that a little bit for us? Yeah. Yes. Because, you know, when you have what's considered in our society at large a type of, uh, I mean, and people get angry at God because God, you know, I've been a good person. Why do I have cancer and things like that? So that's fairly human reaction. Right. But in reality, everyone that I've ever known, they're really capable souls, really good hearted, you know, loving beings with cancer, right? In fact, every single one of those that I personally knew were tremendous spiritual healers. Right. And their cancer, this is one of the things when I used to, I never, I don't do private sessions and stuff anymore. Mm -hmm. But when I used to, um, probably the most common physical medical type illness that people came to see me about healing was cancer, some sort right. of cancer. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's how prevalent it was even back then. Mm -hmm. And so I had a chance to look at a lot of people with all different kinds of cancer. Yeah. And one thing after years of experience, I came to a real revelation that cancer is a community illness that's reflected in one individual. Okay, So once I realized that, it was in the middle of a healing session I, with one person, I go, 
how come this person hasn't been able to heal herself more? And I realized, wait a minute. The last three people I looked at with the same, not the same kind of cancer, but same degree of cancer, and having the same degree of you know, difficulty, they're all living in isolation. Right. And the, the more, the sicker they got, the more they pushed everybody away. Because each one of these people uh, were givers. They didn't want to be a burden to, especially the people to, who can help them the most. The you are so that, talking about a girlfriend of mine who died of cancer a few years ago. You're, yeah. you're totally explained. She used to go and see John of God and she used to take people to go and see John of God. And then she got this yeah. cancer and it didn't heal. But yeah. she, she, lived, she did exactly that, Michael. She lived alone. She'd never married, never had children. And she pushed people away. And she was, oh, you are so describing her. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. And so when I saw that and I go, okay. That's the missing link in the healing of cancer. Then I really start to review, and so much of the cancer people had, remember, they're all healers. They care about everybody else, family, friends, especially people they love. And yeah. they were taking on so much of other people's energetic problems, emotional, mental problems, and pain. This is something I wanted to address today in today's yes. discussion. This is big. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I was working on those people, most of it was teaching them to let go of trying to save everybody else, trying to fix other people's problems. They couldn't help it. And so then I had to address, okay, why can't you help? Not You can't help, but try to save that person you chase after somebody because you know what's good for them and you're trying to change them for the better can't do that it's never worked right and every single one nobody's ever said it's worked a couple of times no every time i ask people question that question has it ever worked first i ask the person everybody questions of have you ever tried to fix somebody or make somebody better and everybody raises their hand. Yeah. I said, anybody in here, has it ever worked? <laughs> they know it. It doesn't work. We cannot. It's impossible, right? I don't say many things are impossible. This is an impossibility. You cannot solve someone else's creation, someone else's problem. They, they, have, to, they have to solve it themselves. But yeah. you, you can facilitate. You can lead them. You can you Guide them. You, you can, can guide support them. them. You can you love them. Them. You can do all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But you can't do it for them. Yeah. yeah. Now, what makes it so difficult for practically all of us, especially the more you care about everybody? Yeah. Let things be. Right. Let people go through their tantrums. Let people go through their illnesses. Let people go through their challenges. Because we haven't looked at the same in ourselves. So wherever we carry the same kind of problem, same kind of fear, same kind of anger, same kind of ultimately unforgiveness, where we haven't forgiven ourselves for that, 
We haven't forgiven ourselves for being incompetent, a failure, a coward, you know, a chicken, whatever it was. Making a big mistake and regretting it and being a disappointment, all that stuff, anything. If you're trying to help somebody who's having a hard time in life, whether it's a physical illness, emotional distress, relationship problem, financial problem, doesn't matter. And you find, I find myself, oh, I got to help this person. I have to drop everything, run to their rescue. No, that's a very common reaction, especially for healers. But yeah. no, wait a minute. Why especially, am I doing that? Especially for a lot of people around my age that have very old and sick and infirmed parents too. Yes. You know, I've got to drop everything and go and look after mom or yeah. dad or, yeah. Yeah. Well, if somebody calls me and says, Michael, you got to drop everything. I'm dying. I'm going to go, oh, great. <laughs> See you on the other oh, side. Bon voyage. Bon voyage. <laughs> yeah. I don't even have to pay you for the money I owe you <laughs> if you go now. <laughs> I don't have to pay you. I'm going to have a great time. Can I just tell you something, Michael? You're such an amazing man. You really are. Bill was right. Not that I uh, didn't think he was. But uh, this morning, I find myself looking at a girl called Karen who had died, as I said to you, in October of cancer. Now, she was a healer. She went up to the country and she created this healing sanctuary. And I always promised I'd come up and I never did. And then she died. And I'm like, damn, I should have gone up and spent some time with her. Anyway, I'm thinking about her obsessively this morning. I'm in the shower and I'm like, why am I thinking about Karen? Why today? And now I'm getting this that she is here and you're teaching her in spirit. Like not only are you teaching us fleshy people, you're also <laughs> teaching people that have... And she is here for what you are saying right now. Yes. Oh, my God, it's making me cry. Yeah, it's making her cry, too. Yes, it's, she's so appreciative. Right? And she's so, like, having aha moments of what you're oh, saying. Yeah. And she has a soul. She's an extremely bright being. She is. And she's I like don't understand why she died so young. Oh, yeah. So, such a and parent. part of the... You know, you were talking about her isolating herself when she got the cancer and everything. No, this is another. This is another oh, girl. This is another okay. woman who died in October. My my girlfriend who died a few years ago did. But this woman was surrounded by family, and and the part yeah. that that resonated with her is the part of her trying to fix everybody. Yes, but see, because she's so bright, and this is a difficulty she had in many lifetimes, where. She saw, she's very clairvoyant, right? Yeah. She might not call it that, but she's very clear. She sees right into the heart of the matter. But how many people, humans, normal humans, could have somebody tell them the truth all the time? Yeah. yeah. So she got a lot of people upset with her. And, and she, she didn't know why, especially men. And sometimes... Uh, her greatest love was freedom. She was a free spirit, right? She, she prized her freedom. Mm. So if somebody starts to encroach upon that freedom energetically, right? Not even physically, but energetically, she would start to go, okay, you know, mm. I have to have my space. I have mm. to go out and take a walk, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. She's so sensitive. 
And that's, that sensitivity is her great awareness as spirit. She's a natural teacher. In spirit, she's a teacher and a guide already. Mm. And, and when she comes into an incarnation, her life is about helping people, guiding people, guiding people through dark times. Mm. Because she's like a lighthouse in the dark for the sailor to navigate through the storm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I feel like if you try to... About Marie. Uh, there's a couple of them, but I'm just seeing all these people pulling up chairs and like listening to this conversation in spirit, like they're pulling up chairs and sitting down. I know, and I... you're surrounded. <laughs> you're surrounded. They're like, you want to hear what Michael has to say? They're all pulling up chairs and sitting down going, okay. But it's interesting yeah. that in spirit, we, we're still learning because a lot of people have NDEs talk about how, you know, it depends where you go because there's so many places we can go. But some people go to that all-knowing place where they're just like, oh, my God, now I know everything. But some, uh -huh. people, some people don't, you know. They're yes. still trying to work it out from a limited perspective. So, yes. yeah, when they That's leave. The I always teach people, always, you know, if you don't enjoy life, at least enjoy not enjoying it. <laughs> because you don't want to be crossing that street on your fateful day when you're going to get run over by a truck. <laughs> if you're being a sourpuss, you know, if you're grouchy, that's the consciousness in which you leave. You don't want to go that way. I'd much be much rather be laughing all the way to my grave than to the bank, right? A lot of people want to be laughing all the way to the bank, but they're not laughing when, not go when they're not going to the bank or their bank is now gone. <laughs> but you want to be enjoying life no matter what condition your life is in. Yeah. Everyone tends to judge themselves by the conditions in their lives. So, of course, starting with the physical body, if you're injured or have an illness, oh, you must be bad and you have a bad life. Mm -hmm. That's not true at all. Mm -hmm. Some of the greatest people who have ever lived had injuries or physical defects or some kind of, you know, physical level condition. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Helen Keller, you know, just whatever. Yeah. You know, I, I talked about this the other day. Nick Vujicic, you know, he's got no arms, no legs, no yeah, worries, mate. He's, exactly. <laughs> Terrific. Um, he's got such a great sense of humor. No arms, no yes. legs, no worries, mate. Um, Australian guy. But, you know, uh, I'm just thinking about this burning off. There's a woman that was interviewed on some show who had cancer. And I, I remember... It was a mainstream news show. They were saying, why are you so happy and you've got cancer? And she says, well, I don't feel unwell, but I've been diagnosed. But she was happy and she was enjoying her life. And she was such a great example. She was on mainstream news and they couldn't work it out. Like you've got cancer and you might die in a minute and yet you're so happy. And she didn't, it didn't seem to bother her. Like, yeah, but yeah, I feel fine. But, you know, and life's still to be. And she was just such a great teacher for what you're talking exactly. about. Yeah. And as I think of her, it's like her body is kind of burning off you know, burning yes. off some karma or whatever. And there's that beautiful saint, the hugging mother, you know, Amichi. Yes. Who apparently when she hugs people, takes on a lot of their disease 
Yes. And, and when she's tested, she's like running about six different, seven, ten, a dozen different diseases. And it's not, she's not bothered, you know, kidney failure and cancers and lung failure and all this sort of stuff. And she's not bothered by it at all. Because and, she knows she's not the body. Yeah. Exactly. If only we could get that, Michael. We gotta get that because we get so upset oh, yeah. when the physical body goes wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And so you know, there's a lot of people in the world. Oh, before we move off of this topic of, we're talking about one's own physical body conditions. But right now, the conditions around the world, political, economic, you know, it's what most people would consider terrible. <laughs> and, and so many people are so emotionally distraught. Yeah. Because some of them, because they can see the writing on the wall, where's the world going if it keeps going this way? Uh, or there's no end in sight. There's no salvation in sight, you know, the way things are going. That's no different than the woman you were talking about who's just joyful, even though, there's cancer. Yeah. Exactly. And even though over the longer period of time, the body's dying of cancer, but she's not going to go with a whimper. She's going to go partying all the yeah. way. Yeah. And, and partying, not in the sense of what people think of drinking and, you know, carousing, but no. partying in the joy of, of spirit. Life. Yeah. yeah. Of life itself. Yeah. And that's the same if it's happening in the body or in the body of the world. And all the conditions in the world, you have to be able to look at it the same way. Oh, sure, we have an economic collapse or, uh, or climate change or this political situation is terrible uh, and all these people are being murdered and all these people are going bonkers and murdering people every day. I mean, you turn on the news, that's what you get. But it's not. We're not joyful about what's going on. We're joyful about life. The life that I'm living. That woman with cancer, she's living a joyful life. Yeah. Even with cancer. And so, that in turn adds to the joy, adds to the vibration, adds to the frequency that's yes. here on this planet, that's here to address all the other things going wrong, whether it's climate change or you Absolutely. Know, politicians that are lying or the cabal or whatever, you know, reptilians, whatever people talk about that yeah. they get upset about. Yeah. Everyone's upset about something. The climate change is a big one. So when you're in joy, you're actually adding to the solution and not the problem by being upset about the problem. Absolutely. Yeah. And speaking of climate, that's the easiest physical condition to change by changing our consciousness exactly. it's one of the first things that changes exactly. i mean i see it all the time yeah. and it's not about getting five million or a hundred million people together no i see it in a local thing five or ten people all of a sudden are in tremendous joy and celebrating life and the Oh, the storm dries up and the sun comes out. Or if the chemtrails disappear, everyone's on yeah, about the chemtrails. Yeah. The skies are blue. Or on the other side, if we've been, everybody's been suffering through drought. Mm -mm. And then all of a sudden, 
it starts raining. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Our consciousness creates. I want to come yeah. back. I want to come back to uh, questions I think that I asked that we haven't finished yet. And that is healers that are taking on other people's suffering and getting yes. all clogged up. So, okay, so I've got my brother staying with me at the moment and he's very depressed and I've been trying to help him and this conversation about throwing God at him and he's not interested yes. right now, right? But I'm sitting yeah. on the bed and trying to help him and my guides connected my energy with his so that I felt what he was feeling in his body, right? And yes. I was in unbelievable physical pain as well as emotional pain and I said to them, I don't want to do this. I'm not, I don't want to do this, but they said he's so stubborn and he's so resisting anything that you're like, he's so resisting any sort of help because he yes. feels like he's not worthy of the help. You know, yeah. he's given up. He told me he's given up. I'm not worthy. So I said, so what are you doing to me? And they said, well, we're using your body to try and affect some change in his, you know, we're kind of coming through you. And I said, I don't want to do that because it's <laughs> like burping and I had indigestion and I felt heavy and it was like not fun but they were telling me that they were doing that so they do do that right they well they were well doing. yes but you also always have seniority yeah because yeah. you're the one who has to live with it yeah and then so, take it off but yes. a lot of so, healers are doing this sub you know like unconsciously or they're not knowing yes. they're doing it because they're sort of so trying to get through to someone who's not listening and they're yes. taking on their pain what do you and, say to people how do they stop doing that like how do they well really it boils down to each person needing to recognize that the reason they're doing it is because they need to heal themselves right they, they see in the other person and they feel in the other person the same pain that's inside of them, right. the same inability to forgive or unwillingness to forgive mm -hmm. within themselves. Mm -hmm. So they want to heal the other person so they'll feel better. But mm -hmm. it doesn't work that way. If they heal themselves first, the other person will start to feel better and will start to always never fails when you heal yourself the person you're closest to starts to heal in the same area even if neither of you knew that before yeah it's an amazing thing and the ultimate the bottom line of healing is okay it doesn't matter what people think of every one of us has a different concept of healing but pretty much the bottom line is when any of us seek healing or think of we need healing or we want to give healing, it's about improving the conditions of one's existence, right? Yeah. Emotionally, physically, mentally, you know, economically, whatever. Yeah. So, so we're talking really specifically about conditions of life, mm -hmm. body or the world, conditions of life. And so, so then, what changes those conditions of life? What are, what becomes what we experience as conditions of life is, like you said earlier, consciousness. consciousness. So, so the conditions of life in our personal lives, like in my life, my consciousness, my personal consciousness plays the biggest part. 
It's not the only part because there's a lot of people in my life. But my consciousness is the bottom line for my life and how I experience it. I'm living my life. Raphael, my wife, we're almost together 24-7 all the time. So she's experiencing my life, but her experience of my life is different than my experience of my life. Mm-hmm. And so just like, you know, when I was joking around, but it's not, not untrue. It's when somebody, I've had people calling me, the doctors, you know, the, the experts at the Mayo Clinic said, I, uh, I have less than a month to live. Can you help me? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. The, the first person that asked me that, he said, can you, uh, uh, what was it? Oh, am I going to die? And I said, of course. We're all going to die. Yeah. You're the three, you know, expert who told you that they're going to die too. They might even die before you sometimes, you know, we don't know. And he started laughing. That's what I need to do. When I teach, when I heal, if the other person doesn't start to laugh at Mm. least a little bit, Mm. I I don't even go any further because (laughs) it's not going to do much good. Right. Being in amusement, having laughter is the first real step to true healing. That's because when you're laughing, you can't hold on. That's so. so while you're laughing, the anger's gone, the grief is gone, everything's gone until you have to be serious again because you know you should be in grief. <laughs> you lost a major person in your life. <laughs> While you're laughing, you can't. You, so many, you know, tweetable moments, as Oprah would say, aha moments. While you're laughing, you can't hold on. While yes. you're laughing, you can't hold on. It's so true. I mean, it's almost literal. That's why so many people, if they just laugh so so hard, they wet themselves. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't hold on. <laughs> yeah. but you know when it comes down to it if i had a choice of wetting myself or laughing i choose laughing you know any day so whatever happens as a result of that it's good with me okay so for people who are taking on because i think that that happens with a lot of healers definitely me too i forget you know because i'm talking to people um often when i'm having conversations for the show i don't really call them interviews i call them conversations uh-huh, there's yes. like a healing exchange going on there with people often and um, oh, not with you today. I'm feeling, I'm feeling being oh, completely healed yes. with you. Yeah. Like the healing exchange is coming from you to me. That's, that's often, real healing exchange both ways. But often it's, um, you know, people are scared to share their stories and they're in they're, you know, They've had amazing near death experiences or, oh, and, yes. they're, and they're terrified. There was one young Australian girl who was terrified to share it, but she knew she had to. And everyone under the YouTube comments was judging her for being so strange, but she's just sort of terrified that people are going yeah. to judge her. So yeah. anyway, it's, it's interesting. But so how as healers, yes. when we're taking on other people's stuff, what would you say to people to sort of clear that? And how do they know that they've, you know, a lot of healers I know are always talking about exhaustion. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. Yes. And, yeah. and, um, that's probably them taking on a lot of people's stuff, right, Michael? Because exhaustion means your access to your own vital energy force has been 
obstructed. Yeah, diminished. You take yeah. on other people's energy, it doesn't metabolize. You can't yeah. digest it. Yeah. So, so it just sits there. And let's say, you know, just on a mechanical level, here's you needing energy. Here's all the, everybody else's energy. Here's your energy source. You can't access it as much. Mm -hmm. So you're tired, right? Mm -hmm. you're, not, you're not replenishing. So number one, the first thing I always teach people is the ground. Mm -hmm. And grounding, very specific kind of a grounding. It's grounding, you imagine a tree trunk from right above the tip of your tailbone, you know, where your first chakra is. Mm, so mm. most spiritual healers and people interested know what a chakra is. But imagine connecting that first chakra to the center of the earth. Mm -hmm. uh, then that is very mechanical thing where it's just like the third prong of a grounding plug uh, on an electrical appliance. Why do they have that? So if there's a sudden surge in the energy, it's not going to damage the appliance. It gets mm -hmm. grounded off the extra. So the same idea, this grounding cord grounds off all the excess energy you take on from other people. Mm -hmm. That's number one. So that's going to immediately lessen the amount you take on and keep. So the next part, once you're grounded, is practicing what we call being a body of class. Mm. I like to actually think of it more as a body of air, where everything passes right through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The glass idea comes from my teacher, who used it as an analogy of sunlight passes through uninterrupted, mm. you know, mm. through a clear glass. Mm -hmm. But a wall blocks it right? Mm -hmm. But a glass lets it pass through. So, so he got the idea of, okay, if you imagine your body being not solid and dense like a wall, but just clear like glass, everything, all the energies, good or bad, passes right through. Mm -mm. You don't hold on to anything. Or even like steam. Yeah, just yeah. passing through, yeah. passing through. And it's interesting yeah. what you said before about when people are trying to heal others and they usually, you know, if it's sticking, like if it's not passing through, it's because it's, yes. it's sticking to you and that, exactly. that part of you that you need to heal. Yeah. That unconscious part of you that holds the pain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's so, so that's why we don't recognize it at first because mm -hmm. We're unconscious. It's, it's unconscious. Mm -hmm. It's not within our view of consciousness. It's underneath it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's in the dark. So, so then how do, we, how do we become aware of what we're not aware of? <laughs> yeah? So exactly. Yeah. That's the part where you started the show with, with uh, the PGS, you know, personal guidance system. That's the term Bill Bennett came up with. Because it is intuition is your everyone's guidance system. Mm -hmm. So, but in order to really live by intuition, we have to let go of trying to intellectually, you know, figure everything out and control it intellectually. So that's the first thing a person has to give up is not trying to letting go of 
trying to intellectually figure out what's wrong with this person, what's wrong with me, what's going on, what I have to figure this out, and am I going to do this and this and this and this? That's all trying to totally control because, and that's always coming from that unconscious fear. Pain, fear is always stuck together. And that unconscious pain and fear is dictating. Got to keep it out here in the, in the intellectual, separate from who I am. Yeah. And, and uh, okay, I don't want to go anywhere near that. But once you let go of trying to figure it out, every time you notice the impulse to try to figure it out intellectually in your mind, just go, okay, consciously decide I'm going to let go of trying to figure it out. Okay. I'm going to go in to the center of my head, not to be analytical, but to just be quiet. Because in the center is the same as the center of anything. It's pure spirit, neutrality. It never changes. So you always know when you close your eyes and be in the center of your head, Oh, even though it's, oh, you know, I'm emotionally upset out here and all these thoughts are bombarding my mind. But inside, in the center, there's a little spot that's bright and totally still. It's completely, nothing is changing it. And so when I'm grounded to the center of the earth from my first chakra and in the center of my head, in this neutrality, oh, I can let all the noise of the world Go ahead and be noisy. Mm. I'm not resisting it anymore. I'm not defending who I think I am against all that bad stuff, right? I'm not threatened by it because the center of your head, this neutral spirit immortality spot in you isn't afraid of anything. Mm. It's, there's no death. It is absolutely certain there's no death. So there's nothing, there's no injury, there's no, you know, pain, there's nothing. So it's not afraid of anything. It never defends itself. Mm. That's why we start to take over as we incarnate and have traumas and pain and injury and, you know, hurtful emotional uh, experiences. We start to protect ourselves energetically by building an intellectual fortress. Mechanism. Um Another tweetable moment, Michael. Another aha moment. <laughs> you know when you're connected to the light in the center of your head or your spirit or your soul, your higher self. Because when it's speaking to you, or it never defends itself. It never, never. defends itself. That's it just, doesn't even know what that is. You know, when I was young and full of questions, uh, I was given this mantra, I relinquish the need to know. Because I was so in my head about all this spiritual stuff that I was blocking my own inner wisdom, my own inner guidance, because yes. I needed to know. Remember you said that your interest was God and like mine too. It's like, I need to know. I need to know. I need to know. How does it work? And so I remember I drove up from Sydney to Byron Bay. It was a 12-hour drive by myself. And I just, I just chanted that for 12 hours. I relinquished the need to know. I re it's not like I, want, I relinquished not wanting to know, but the need to know yes yeah right and and because you your spirit or already knows so you don't that's need right to know. that's <laughs> you right get still yeah yeah you're, you're knowing this and no. your answers solutions are not in the future separate from you yeah it's in you already yeah. so you just have to 
find it. Not you have to get somewhere, do something to get there. Mm. And I don't know if it's the same with Australian kids sitting in the back seat of the car on a long trip. Are we there yet? Yeah, are we there yet? Are we there yet? I think that's universal. <laughs> there were three of us growing up, you know, one of the marriages, and we had a lot of trips that we used to like, are we there yet? I mean, dad would yes. practically kill us. Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, that's the, one side is the enthusiasm, and but back to the thing we were talking earlier about karma starts with desire. We want something. doesn't matter. Anything. We want something. Yeah. And once we want something and put it out, it naturally seeks fulfillment of that desire. It but seeks fulfillment what's, of that desire, even if it's over lifetimes. Over it's lifetimes. Over lifetimes. And that's why, yes, that's why here's a little tidbit for people who tend to fantasize a lot, mm-hmm. you know, about whatever. Oh, I wish fantasize means using your imagination to create what you can't have right now mm. and go, Oh, I wish it's wishful thinking. Mm. I wish I could be a movie star. <laughs> I wish I could be as popular as that person. I wish I could have that much money, you know, whatever. Everybody does that, especially as children, but a word of caution, your fantasies of this lifetime, will become your reality of your next. Yes. And, and I'm seeing that with my mother. It's so interesting. I'm not, I could go, I could talk about that. But, you know, a lot of the people that are attracted to my show and listen to me is there are people that are either awakening, so their questions are more about, you know, how can I awaken more? How can I know who I am more? And then when they do reach a level, now they're wanting to help others. So it's yes. like, how can I make a business out of being a healer or a teacher? Or, yes. you know, that's a lot of fantasy. That's a lot of the questions that I receive from people. How can I, you know, change my day job and like make some sort of career or life from what I know and then helping others? What, mm-hmm. would, you say, what would you say to those people about those fantasies that they have? Well, it's whether they're making it a fantasy or right. reality, right? right. So both require imagination. Mm-hmm. So they're imagining, this is what I'm here for, to heal people, to do this. Mm-hmm. But I want to do this full time. So I can't be having a day job and be exhausted at night and say, okay, now I'm a healer and people can come see me all night long to give healings to. Mm-hmm. Some people manage to do something like that. Mm-hmm. But I made that decision when I was 20. I'm here to heal and teach. Mm-hmm. So I can't be dividing myself into having a day job, flipping burgers <laughs> or anything and, and making enough money to live on and then on weekends and weeknights do my work. Yeah. No, I'm doing this day and night. Yeah. Right? So I committed myself. It was not a fantasy. I'm going to find a way to do this. Mm. And then that led me to finding a teacher who said, oh yeah, this is what you have to look at. And, and who recognized clairvoyance and that we're all clairvoyant, yeah. but he also knew there's a lot of clairvoyants who are terrific clairvoyants, but they don't know how to teach other people to be clairvoyant. Exactly. That was their, his gift. He knew how to teach 
the most beginning person who just was interested, sincerely interested in being on a spiritual path and seeing the truth, seeing God, seeing, seeing the light. And he would train them to be a clairvoyant reader or a reader and, and a medium and all kinds of things. And in the course of that, they might have started off. A lot of people couldn't have God right at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So he didn't talk a lot about God. He just said, hey, I'll teach you how to read an aura. But in a couple of years, they're reading people's aurors. And mm -hmm. once you pass the physical and personality, everything out here in a person, you can't be doing hundreds or thousands of aura readings and not get close to God. Mm. So, so that's, you know, that's one of the things that he was tricky at that. He just taught the beginning. And then by the time somebody became a professional level, capable clairvoyant aura reader, they're already way along their spiritual path. Yeah. And they're able to now seek God on their own and start to experience what spirit is on their own without just listening to some spiritual teacher saying God is blah, 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 and spirit is blah, 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 and turning it into an intellectual concept and getting mm. stuck. Mm. So the experience for each of us is the most important. Mm -mm. We can experience the truth for ourselves. Other people don't have to agree with it, mm. but nothing can shake our certainty because we already know it. Mm. We already experienced it. Mm. Somebody coming along and saying, wow, I'm a, the top scholar of, I can quote you verse and, you know, uh, paragraph and verse. This is, this is what it is. And you just go, okay, you can have that. I can respect that. But this is my experience. Mm. And until I have a different experience, I'm going to go with this. <laughs> I think that what you said before, tweetable aha moment, you know, every desire seeks to fulfill itself. I think that if yes. we remember that, in no matter what we're desiring, whether it is to make a career or out of our newfound awareness or whatever desire it is, or to be enlightened or to heal, or but that desire that's, that seeks to... Um, fulfilled to be fulfilled it, it, it might happen next time i don't know because rather it's than seeing, yeah it's gonna happen but um because yes. i think that you know as i was saying to you before when mum was alive you know she used to complain about having pale skin and thin hair and small boobs and being too tall <laughs> and she just had all these like i wishes i wishes i wishes something that she never felt that she could fulfill you know, yes. how am I going to shrink? Well, you, a lot of people do shrink when they get older. And how am I going to make yeah. bigger hair and get bigger boobs? I mean, you can fulfill those in life. You can have implants and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> but <laughs> they have all been fulfilled in this next life. And so it's so interesting as we create desire in our lifetimes that we do fulfill them. Yes. But the, the, the only, you know, the downside of that over lifetimes, like I said, your fantasy of this lifetime, if you don't fulfill it this lifetime, becomes the reality next lifetime. But let's just, I like to use the example of, let's say a woman who grows up on a, 
South Pacific Island in the tropics, you know, uh, where if you're not 400 pounds, you're ugly. Right. That's the culture. And, and she's a little twiggy in that lifetime. And she just, no matter how much she eats, she can't gain any weight. And she's the ugly duckling in the whole society. And yeah. she prays and wishes, fantasizes to be 400 pounds. And then next lifetime, she's born in Hollywood. And, but she's 400 pounds as she grows up. Right. And yeah. In Hollywood, if you're not a stick, you're, you're not beautiful. <laughs> oh, she never worked out the underlying what the real karma is, not about how many pounds you weigh or not. It's about what made you want that so much. Yeah, to fit in or something, or to be adored, yes. or to be yeah. weird, or that's the kind so, yeah. The real desire isn't about big boobs or little boobs or, you know, tall or short or wealthy or, you know, anything. Yeah, yeah. It's about, oh, what is it about? And if you really follow that back, how do we get out of karma entirely? Right. See, those of us who've been around so long in reincarnating so many times we get tired of this reincarnation business yeah. <laughs> oh no not this again right yeah. so, so then we start seeking how do we get out of this stop desiring exactly but you can't stop desiring just like you the minute you say don't look at the pink elephant in the living room everybody's staring at it. where 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 right so you can't stop desiring that's going to be even more harmful. So you have to get to the root of desire. And what's the root of all desire is basically unconsciousness. It's basically you not knowing. You already have it. Yes. And so anytime I examine, if I'm finding myself wanting something, it's coming from a place of, I don't have it, and getting this is going to make me happy. Yeah. So what is it that I don't have? It's not the physical whatever. It's the happiness. Yeah. Oh, I'm not happy. I want happiness. And I think because I got so happy the last time I got this thing, I want this thing again so I can be happy again. Mm. And you could keep doing that mm. for a long time. But you know, I, I just want to make an, uh, an observation. I've interviewed, you know, I've, I've spoken to a lot of people, a lot of clairvoyants and healers, and, and, um, and your level of joy and happiness and, and nonchalant has given you amazing access like I've never experienced before. And I, there's just this connection to your sense of joy and humor and making fun, and that's given you this expanded awareness that, yeah. Yes. And yeah. that's why we got to start with laughter. Yeah. Or at least with a smile. Because <laughs> I can feel it and I can see you reading me and looking and I can see you like, because uh, I've got pretty good access to it too. And I can oh, yeah. feel you seeing me and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. And um, it's you know, and, and I just, just want to make another point about this desire, like stop desiring. It's, it's almost like you don't just stop desiring because, as you say, desire is big, but you make it less personal because you can still desire. Like I have desires, 
but I don't really need to see them fulfilled because it's like I, I have a desire to have a big a healing centre in Sydney, mm-hmm. um, you know, desires like that. Like I want to see these things happen, but it's, it's not like I have to do it or exactly. yes. um, it's about me, you know, so we can still have to, like I want to see the world change and I want to see humanity uplift. I want, you know, there's a lot of things I want, but yes. they're not personal anymore. It's not about... Mm bring me the lover or the money or the big house. And I've had lots of those desires, but, and they're all very personal desires, but the desires yeah. are about. Hmm. And it's not personal because they're not really you wanting. So you can, it feels like, Oh, I would definitely like to see world peace. Right. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. No brainer, but no brainer. Notice, notice I didn't say I want it. I'd like to see it. Yeah. I'd like to experience Wouldn't it be nice? humanity yeah. coming together. Yeah. I would like that. Yeah. That's fundamentally different than I want. Mm-hmm. See, want, that real desire, desire, comes from lack. Yes. And I said it, it comes from unconsciousness because the only time we experience lack as real is when we're unconscious of who we are. Ooh, another what? aha moment. Say that again. <laughs> okay. The only time we experience lack is when we are unconscious. So when we're in desire, like I don't have and I want, in yes. that moment we are unconscious because exactly. the soul knows that you have everything that you want. Yes. So and it's all inside, right? Yeah, all right. 100%. Yeah. And so then the minute you start to really let go of all those personal, I, I need this, I want this, I got to have this, all that stuff, you start to experience more and more, no, no, all the things that I want it most, like I'm sure if a person's being honest with herself or himself and you got them in private and said, okay, what's your greatest longing? It's going to have something to do with love, being loved, mm-hmm. having someone to love, having mm-hmm. a love mate, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Or, or even having a career that I could really love. Yeah. Going to every day, loving it. Yeah. I would love it, right? So, so, but when it becomes love, it's not wanting. And most people, until they get to a certain point, they confuse this incredible love that is seeking expression mm-hmm. in this world mm-hmm. from inside of them. And they misinterpret it as they're wanting love. Say because that again. That, that's another one. Say that again. Um, so, so most people, when they experience this enormous love inside of themselves that's waiting to be expressed, having to be expressed, they misinterpret it as want. I want love. I want people to love me. I want to love, you know, uh, someone special. I want to be the love of my life. I hear this so often, Michael, from especially middle-aged older women, you know. Yeah. And, um, and they always say to me, when am I going to meet my soulmate? And I yes. want to look at them and say, in the form that you're wanting, you're not. 
because what you're asking for is something different and this is exactly what you're saying i don't tell them that because i let them keep their fantasy that they're going to meet their soulmate um, also because you said most of these are middle-aged women older yeah yeah because they're not in that being a young female hot to make a baby yeah Whether they know they're not, they, yeah. not. Yeah, yeah that's done you know, yeah, so yeah. they're not thinking about let's hit the sack, you know, with some hunk. <laughs> they're looking at a relationship. Compared they're looking at love. Yeah, they're they are. They are. A partner. But with they whom feel that longing to have that. Yes. And, um, yes. But they don't, they have to realize that that longing isn't for a partner. Right. That longing is the love wanting to be expressed. Expressed. Okay, so they have to be the one to be loving. They have to be loving toward everybody. Does not just their potential mate, but, and this is the one thing so few people seem to recognize. If you're loving with everyone, you're gonna have people lining up to be your mate. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you're not going to have any shortage of people who would like to be your partner, right? Because everybody's looking for that. But if you're looking to love the one person, you're chasing everyone away. Yeah. Because you're make, closing the door for this one perfect, you know, whatever you think is a good person yeah. to show up. No, yeah. if you're loving in every one of your relationships, the person who you're meant to show up with is going to have a wide open, you know, you're going to be like outdoors. They can come in from any place. Yeah. They're going to but, find you, know, you. Getting back to this karma being how we respond and not what we get. Yes. You know, you and Raphael have this beautiful spiritual relationship that I think a lot of women probably want you know they see and men too and men too yeah but I, I get a lot of women asking me that question when am I going to make myself <laughs> and uh yeah it's like until they learn about what you're talking about until they start to experience that it's just not going to happen because it's yes. going to limit them to the focus of one person and that's not what their soul is asking for right their yeah. soul is asking for this expression of outward love in humanity. And it's such a paradigm of the third dimension, this one-on-one -on -one loving relationship. Like I only love you and you only love me. It's you and me yes. against the world, darling. That is just so third paradigm. And a lot of these souls are these amazing healing women who are not buying into the third paradigm. And yet they're still asking for that third paradigm sort of relationship. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny, and and here I'm aware a lot of times, especially when we're out in the public together, and lot like you say, they're all looking at us and go, "Oh, I I'd like to have a relationship. I want a relationship with a partner like that." Yeah, but nobody ever comes up and says, "Michael, what's what makes your relationship with Raphael so incredible?" That's a simple question, I think. And the answer, the answer is very easy. I look at myself, I look at her. One thing we have in common, we, we have a lot of things, almost polar opposites. Mm -hmm. I like it this way, she likes it that way. You know, I want to go 
left, she wants to go right, all kinds of things. And, uh, but what, that's not what the relationship's about. The relationship is formed because I have this total certainty. I could have a loving relationship with practically anyone. Yes. She has the same. Yes. And we just go, but hey, you're the one I'd like to have that with. And why we know we can have it with each other is we know we each are in the place of, oh, if we bump into a, an obstacle or a tough spot, or let's communicate. Let's, let's work it out. It's not, oh, I'm tired of you already. You know, I'm going to go find somebody else. It's, hey, you know, why, why ruin a good thing because we don't agree on one thing? Or I happen to not like that and you happen to like it or, or whatever. Or you want to do this, I don't want to do that. Let's talk about it. Let's work it, figure out, okay, let's, let's create it so we can both be who we are. Yeah. And we can both have what we need to have to yeah. fulfill our purpose in life. Mm-hmm. But the other part of it is both she and I have known from the time we were kids. Whoever we partner up with, we have to be partners in everything, in our work, especially our spiritual work. Yeah, exactly. So, and you do, and you guys have a great radio show, which I've been listening to. What's it called? <laughs> I, haven't got, I haven't got it up here. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. Living the Miracle. And you discuss all these things that we talk about. But there was something I wanted to discuss with you specifically today that we haven't got to. And I know we're kind of okay. running out of time. But I'm going to chat with Raphael in a few weeks in December. Yes. We're, going to talk, we're going to talk about her and her psychic abilities and her work. But I really want to be specific with her because she does, she's an animal communicator and she talks about with animals with spirit and the reincarnation of animals. So we're, her and I are going to have that lovely conversation about <laughs> animal spirit. And because um, so many people, I think the grief over animals can be worse oh. than the grief oh, over. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to clear up a bit of that. But, you know, I wanted to talk to you about people perceiving a lot of people who start to have, you know, their psychic abilities tap, you know, get online and they worry about souls attaching to them and hurting them. Right, they can't oh, yes. worry about you know dense yes. disincarnate spirits. And something happened to me in the shower the other day, which was amazing, um, that I wanted to share with you and talk about. So a few months ago, I had, my eye was hurting up in the corner here, and I started getting these nosebleeds. And uh. I got them, um, you know, they were coming frequently, like two or three times a week, and and then. Uh, probably the last one I had, I, I woke up in the middle of the night because I had this nosebleed. And I, I, I thought about it on a healing perspective. I'm thinking, you know, the blood vessels in my... And, and I'm thinking it from a healing perspective, what's going on? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I think it might have been in the shower that morning after the, that night, I woke up in the middle of the night where I put the... I have a, a shower thing and I put the, the water on my face like this and I had this image... It was like a horror story of this person whose face, it was like, to me, it looked like somebody had shot their eye out, right? It Uh was like this, it it scarred over, but it was this horrific looking face. And I remember I opened my eyes and took the water away. And then I went, wow, what was that? I put the shower back and shut my eyes again. And there they were again. And I knew immediately that my eye that had been sore and the nosebleeds was this person. Yes. 
and I just sent them light and I asked them, you know, their guides to come in and whatever needed to happen. I really wasn't too versed in this. I had never experienced that before. Yes. Uh, to take them home and that, you know, they're loved and it's all fine and ask them to do... Because obviously they died from a gunshot wound to the... And, yes. and I've had not had a nosebleed since, you know, like it's gone away. And mm. I was just quite astounded by that, but I wasn't frightened. And yes. you know, I want people to know that even when, um, so, you know, hurting spirits come and attach to them, it's nothing to be frightened about, right? Exactly. And that's the only time you kind of get into trouble is if you're frightened, right? Then you resist. Resistance, uh, what is that, the Star Trek? Uh, resistance is futile. <laughs> <laughs> you will be assimilated. And that's why we resist. We're afraid we're going to be controlled. We're going to lose control. We're going to not be ourselves and things like that. And then, well, it does happen, you know, where, where people give up their power and their seniority to some looky-loo being that is stuck and they, they climb in and the person freaks out and becomes all dramatic and traumatic, everything. But that doesn't need to be that way. Mm -hmm. If you own your space to be the spirit that you are, then... It's just other spirits. Some of them, just like people, some of them are happy, some of them are unhappy. Some of them are incredibly capable and aware. Some of them are capable but devious and not so aware. And, and some of them are, all they want to do is control. Mm -hmm. So they're going to just climb in and go, I'm, you know, they'll tell you anything, whisper sweet nothings to try to control if they think that's going to help them control you. Mm -hmm. And but you don't have to pay heed to that. Mm -hmm. You you can laugh. Again, first thing is a little laughter, a little amusement, and yeah. not taking it so seriously. Mm -hmm. If you take it seriously, your energy drops to that yeah. serious level. And then then your energy's too low. But like you said, you know, when I'm joyful, happy, and then very few things could really bother me yeah right? because the vibration is too high the bothering yeah. vibrations are too low yeah it's so not, it's like not you don't even notice it yeah and but a yeah. lot of people are kind of scared of things that they can't see or perceive you know like yeah. spirit you know they're scared of these entity attack there's a lot of bad stuff going around the internet that you know, demons or evil spirits are going to present as angels. And so therefore you can't believe in angels because they're not really, there's just so much rhetoric going around, oh, but yeah. creating fear for your psychic abilities. And um, why yes. would a being of light, like why would a healer, you know, attach a soul like that, that is hurting? I, yeah. To me, I've got my opinion. What, what do you think? You mean, why would a soul like that attach to a healer? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Is uh, because everybody wants healing. Exactly. And the more, the stronger you are as a healer, and the more you're interested in giving healing, it's not limited. Like you said earlier, that there's more people listening 
to what we were talking about in spirit than there are in the body. <laughs> At the moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's almost always true. Even yeah. if there's thousands of people listening mm. in the physical, right. there's way more in spirit. There you go. It's, mm. and when I teach, I'm teaching in spirit. Yeah, I've if seen you that today. Down, because yeah. I'm not anybody's body sitter. <laughs> I'm not your body sitter. <laughs> yeah, if you want to hire a body sitter for your body, that's your prerogative, but I'm not going to be that. So mm. I'm teaching spirit, mm. and it's each soul's mm, both freedom, free choice, and responsibility to bring what I'm teaching them in spirit into the physical consciousness mm. of their body mm. and learn it here. Mm. Right? Mm. So that's, I don't even try to convince anybody in the body level. I just am teaching what I teach in spirit and they're going to get what they're going to get, bringing it to their own physical life. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's like that. And with the healers, they're brighter. They have more light shining in, even in the spirit world. Mm -hmm. And so the most desperate of beings are going to be looking for healers the most. Mm -hmm. But like we were talking about earlier, the healer has to be the one to decide and be discerning. Can this soul have what I have to offer? Right. Or are they so stuck? They need other things first. Yeah. They well, need more time. What was time. interesting about that experience was um, I was unaware for the weeks that I was having the nosebleeds. Like it might have been yes. a couple of months. Like I was unaware and I'm not an unaware person. So yes. that surprised me that I was unaware until I was in the shower and I saw it very clearly. It was as yeah. clear as I'm looking at you. It was, and you know, that it was such a horrific looking um, image it was face, yeah. mm -hmm. that you would, it was like a horror story, but I didn't see, cause I saw it as a soul needing help. I didn't see yes. it as like something to be frightened of, but yeah. I guess the unawareness that that, you know, that that soul was getting my attention through nosebleeds and I wasn't like, Hello, I'm not listening. I, you know, I wasn't hearing the. I wasn't. Well, it's because, you know, uh, my friend James M. Prague uh, jokes about this. For you know, people, thousands of people come to his demonstrations, and and they want to communicate with their deceased loved ones, and and he's trying to get the message from this deceased loved one to this person in the physical, and he's going. And then this person's asking, well, this and that and this and that. He goes, when this person, when your uh, husband, before he died, was he a real good open communicator? And she goes, oh, no, he was terrible. And he goes, what makes you think just because he died, he's on the other side, he's miraculous going to become this super communicator? <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's like that. So this being was kind of desperate, you know, needing healing, and is in in this illusory pain and fear and everything. Well, a person like that or a soul like that, they're not very good communicators. Mm. They 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 don't know how to communicate to someone who can help them. Mm -mm. So they jump in your space too much. And 
you, you don't like that. It's, it's when a being jumps in your space, you go, hey, get out of here. You know, mm-hmm. you don't belong here. Mm-hmm. He doesn't belong plugged into your eyes or nose. So your natural kind of reaction on a spirit level is, hey, get out of here. This isn't your home. Go, mm-hmm. go back to your own home. But he doesn't even know how to do that. And yeah. so he's insisting and, and it's getting worse and worse. Then you're yeah. going, wait a minute, I got to deal with this, right? Well, it's, and yeah, what, it's funny because the, the nosebleeds became more frequent. Yeah. Like, you know, first there was one and then another couple of weeks there was another one and then and they became like every couple of days. Um, and um, But I still wasn't getting it. You know, I still yeah. wasn't, I just didn't get it. I just thought, oh, something wrong, something's wrong with my nose. Maybe I should go and have it looked at. Yeah. But also, you had to come down to a more physical level. See, you are more spiritual, so you tend to be up here more in a higher frequency. He wasn't communicating to you on a higher frequency. This is almost the opposite that a lot of mediums who get messages from the dead type of a situation where... The people are all grieving, right? And they're going, how come you, who's a stranger to this person I love more than anyone else in my life, easily communicates with the soul of this person, and I can't communicate with this person. Right, yeah. And the answer to that is they're grieving. Their energy is way too low. Not the same frequency, yeah. So so what you're saying is that he was a different frequency. That's why I couldn't yes. perceive him. That's why he had to get my attention through the physical. Yeah. And then you taking a shower, that's very physical. Yeah. Yeah. And your body, your had the water on my face. It was yeah. specifically so the, the focus was on your physical body. Yeah. Then you came in to the physical vibration enough to notice, oh, there's somebody standing here. <laughs> Somebody's in my face. <laughs> right there, face, bang. Yeah. yeah. But notice, you know, just in everyday life, who do you have easier time communicating with and hearing a person who sits, you know, a few feet away from you and they're not hysterical, they're not desperate, they're enjoying life and they're just having a conversation versus somebody who seeks you out as a healer and, and is grabbing onto you physically and say, help me, please, save me, save me. I don't know what to do. Ah, you can't even talk to them. They're screaming at you to save them. That's the similar situation. So if a person is happy and in their own space as spirit, you're going to be able to notice it right away, respond. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Because so, that makes so much sense. Because you've just because I've I've never been a medium who really does the whole I talk to dead people thing. Exactly. But I can talk to spirit all the time. But I'm just not tuned into that low, the lower levels of the astral where some yeah. people are. Again, we um, all have our yeah, we're our, our thing. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so what you've said has made perfect sense. Right, interesting. Wow. <laughs> You're fascinating, Michael. You really are. Yeah. Absolutely right. <laughs> I could talk to you. I have no idea how what time to Oh, we've been going for nearly two hours. Oh, I knew it would be a big time flies. Time flies when you're having fun. So, all right. So, I guess we've got to wrap this up now. Um, 
So I was trying to address people that don't need to be scared of, you know, crazy things they see because it's just the spirits asking for help, just like if somebody was physical and they're asking you for help. So there's no need to be fearful. And yeah, and they don't have to save them either. Just like with yeah. regular people, yeah. you have to go, oh, you need to go see a doctor. That's you know, kind of what I said to this guy, because yeah. I'm like, this is not the work I do, you know, shuffling yeah. spirits back to where they need to be. Exactly. And so I just sort of asked the guides to come in and I said, can you listen to them and can you deal with this, please? Exactly. And that's tremendous help. Mm. Just like a person who just, you know, have a major physical injury, they're bleeding to death and they don't know what to do. You're the closest person. They say, help me. And you go, okay. We'll have to call 911. Yeah. That's the best thing you can do. Right. And yeah. In that circumstance. And so, uh, but if you were medically trained, then, and maybe you're not a doctor, but you took first aid. So then you can do first aid to keep them going for until the paramedics get there. So in spirit, it's the same. There's situations I run into just because I can see the spirit or communicate with them doesn't mean. I can do everything. And so, oh, you need to go there. You need to, hey, you need to listen to your spirit guide. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Listen to your spirit guide. <laughs> Some people, you know, hey, you're, you need to go straight to God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. not having anything with you. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not my problem. You got to have a talk with God here or whatever the case so you have so to know yourself. To, to we decide. don't need to be scared of disembodied spirits attaching to us and sucking no. our energy. Like so many people talk about that. Oh, you know, I've got a spirit sucking my energy. Um, but we do have to have some sort of awareness. So I exactly. guess that the message is if you've got some physical symptom that's not normal, like I had, maybe ask your guides or ask someone like you or someone like me, you know, what's going on before you go off and have a um, think that you've got cancer or something like that. Cause it yeah, might... or a mental breakdown or whatever. Or a mental breakdown, yeah. It could be, but, yeah. You know, in psychic levels, spirit, psychic levels, it's no different than common sense here in this world. If you're talking to a stranger and you're going, this guy gives me the creeps, right? right? Then you might go, okay, nice meeting you. I, I have to go now. See you later. Or even call the cops if they don't leave. Uh, or you're talking to somebody and you already know, oh, they're asking for help, but their problem's way bigger than, you know, it's above my pay grade. Above <laughs> so, my pay grade, yeah. Here's a, here's a suicide uh, hotline number or here's a free clinic, you know, even if you don't have any money. Go, go there or because I want to help you, but that's the best help I can give you. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to mess things up if I do it because I don't know how to enough to do that. Or sometimes it's, it's uh, uh, you listen to what they're saying. Like you were mentioning on the internet, there's all kinds of, you know, all kinds of stuff from really great stuff to really terrible stuff. But somebody says, Oh, but uh, the angel could disguise himself as, as uh, or the devil the could disguise himself, disguise himself as, a, as, an, as an angel. And yes, anything could be possible. Anything could happen. But how can you, how can you who's not a, a person who's not a, a clairvoyant, 
who doesn't, you know, who believes I don't see angels, I don't see spirit, demon or angels, nothing. Well, you got nothing to worry about if there's no thoughts, right? If you start having thoughts like, I should go kill myself, mm -hmm. or I should go kill that person. Hey, look at serial murderers. How many of them said, my dog told me to kill that person, or God told me to kill that person? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. God would never tell somebody to kill that person, mm -hmm. and I'm pretty sure a dog would never tell someone to kill that person. Mm -hmm. So who is this person listening to? Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter who you're listening to. It's the thought that counts. It's literally the thought that counts, because yeah. if the thought in your head is foreign to you, why would you believe it, right? If it's a thought that I'm thinking this thing, oh, I should go beat that person up. Whoa, I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. Don't listen to it. <laughs> then exactly. a being that's trying to control you even isn't going to be able to. You're going to laugh at them saying, go, go get a life, right? Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to be a full-blown clairvoyant or medium or know how to, you know, uh, be an exorcist or anything like that. You're going to just go, hey, give me a break, you know. Yeah. Go, go bother somebody else. Yeah. If it's God talking to you, your higher self, then it feels good. If, it's, if, it, if it looks good and it doesn't feel good, yeah, like your intuition. If it doesn't feel good, then it's not your higher so well, guides feeling, feeling itself is, is a really tricky area. You know, a lot of people, because they, spiritual people, because they don't want the people they're teaching to intellectualize, you know, and go analytical, they, they use the term, okay, well, trust your feelings. But they're talking about intuition, not your emotional feelings. And, and, feeling of uh, pain and discomfort or, or pleasure, that type of feeling. Because you could, when you give the ego what it wants, temporarily, it's going to feel good. Yeah. It's like, oh, eat all the chocolate you want, right? It's going to be very pleasurable until you're sick to your stomach later on. Yeah. So, so when you're placating the ego, it's going to feel like relief. When you're, regardless of your ego screaming, you go with spirit, sometimes it's the most uncomfortable feeling. It's, it's not something, it's, it, it could be even painful and really uncomfortable. And because you're, you're going against, according to the ego, you're going against the ego. Okay, okay. This happened to me yesterday. This, this, this happened to me yesterday. Um, I don't know how to explain this in human terms. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was, um, I was having some thoughts. I've been mentoring a young healer and we've been swapping. She does a particular healing technique that she's teaching me and she's doing it on me. And then I've been mentoring her about all this stuff we've spoke, spoken about. And I started thinking, oh, I think I'm going to stop this now. I don't really need her help. And my guides were saying to me, 
oh, you're so in your ego with this, like receiving help from people. You always want to push people away because you don't want to receive help. And they're really giving me a hard time. And it didn't feel good, right? And I didn't want to listen to them. And I wanted to just say, look, I don't want to do this anymore. And um, yeah, so it didn't feel good, but I knew that they were spot on because there was, yeah. I was just like, oh, damn, I'm doing it again, right? Yeah. And that's <laughs> huge. You know, you trusted your intuition, your guides, what the guides are telling you. And instead of... But it didn't of, feel good. Um, You're right. It felt yeah. like I was being chastised yeah. um, because I kind of was because I was letting ego running, run the yeah. game, right? But yeah, when you go with the ego, it's going to feel, you're going to get a thrill, it's pleasurable, things like that. And a lot of times, especially when the ego is trying to pull you away from spirit, right? Yeah, yeah. So the ego wants a quick fix right now, and if it's happy, temporarily, yeah. until it's unhappy about the next thing. Oh, this is a conversation spirit. we could spend another two hours talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I guess it just, I guess listening to your guidance and intuition, if it's not connected to your feelings, it usually is emotional. It does, I have to say that what they say feels like common sense. So it just yes. feels right, even though I'm taking, like my ego is pushing back and it doesn't, and it doesn't want to give in. Yes. It still feels like I need to listen to it. It feels right. It still feels That's right. Two but different it doesn't levels. Feel Two yes. different levels of feeling. Levels of feeling. bad and it there's, feels right. It's so, there's, so, you're talking about the feeling in your heart. Your feeling in your fourth chakra. That is how you feel about the intuition, about what the spirit guide is telling you. You feel it's right. That's, yeah. that, it's a higher feeling. Yeah. But down in the second chakra, that's sensation, you know, bodily pleasure, sensation, emotional feeling, two different feelings. So down in the second chakra, it's about what you're feeling. The actual energy you're feeling is, say, pleasure if you go with the, the ego, but discomfort if you go with spirit, let's say. And, and then with the heart center, you still feel it's the right thing to do, even if you're uncomfortable doing it. Mm. so yes that type of feeling is what most spiritual people talk about trust your feeling trust your feeling. you feel in your heart of hearts yeah. that what you know to be true is how you need to go even if you're really tired or yeah. your body feels sick yeah I mean, i've gone through that so many times we're at the end of a really long day and i'm really tired and i'm on a tour teaching everywhere and i'm on my elevator i all i want to do is go to my room and have a glass of water or something relax just go to sleep right and then i get no you have to go to the to the a gift shop and i go to the gift shop it's not just about going to the gift shop there's two people who desperately need my help mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I spend three hours with them in yeah. a gift shop yeah. as a prisoner, as a hostage. <laughs> oh, look, I know that this, this is oh, this is a whole other show because that because that's yeah. why I think so many people get confused about listening to their guidance. Um, yes, you know when I'm teaching people, 
and I'm asking how it feels like that. We were talking about that with Bill, like that first thought and then their yes. ego kicks in and says, Is he, that's yeah. not right. That's just, you can't know that, you know, and, and the exactly. ego says, and I'm like, what are you thinking? And they're kind of going, I, I'm getting nothing. I'm getting nothing. What are you thinking? I'm getting nothing. I'm get, what was your first thought? And they tell you your first thought, but it's been so dismissed. So it yes. doesn't, you know, in this instant, this nanosecond, that thought felt right, but then the ego overrides it. And now exactly. the ego is making you feel really bad. Anyway, that's a whole other. Um, <laughs> that's perfect. But uh, Michael, any pearls or gems you want to leave? Because I know that you can sort of sense the people that are going to be tuning into this, this <laughs> broadcast. I think we've covered it all. We've, co we've covered a lot. We haven't covered it all, but we've covered it. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. Welcome. You are an absolute gem. I know you don't do personal sessions, but you have this fabulous show on your uh, website, yes. Michael Tamora. What's your website? MichaelTamora.com. That's Tamora is T as in Tom, A M as in Mary, U R A. And people can find the radio show there and also uh, yes. the book. I'll have my affiliate link for your book on my page. Ah, if you want to support the show, you can buy the book from, um, from my page. It'll give me a couple of cents. Uh, and yes, and I look forward to talking to Raphael in a few weeks. Yeah, she is too. About spirit uh, communication and our beautiful pets and how they dovetail with all our different lives and all. I don't oh, know. Yeah. We're going to have just as much fun, aren't we? Yes, I'm sure you will. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Karen, for having me on your delightful show. And for, you know, if people ask about my voice, it's because I have uh, one of my two vocal cords uh, is paralyzed from a oh. surgery. And so that's how I'm going to sound. But it is coming back a little more. So we'll see. Oh, that's why I that? sound like this. This oh. happened uh, just over a year ago. Oh, I didn't realize. Okay. First six weeks, I had no voice at right. all. Yeah. But right. I have a vocal coach and we're working on it to make more sound. So you still want to stay here in this dimension for a while. You're still enjoying yourself. So you Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll stay here until they go. Okay, okay. You're starting to smell bad. Let's let's take you out of here. <laughs> well, I just want to say thank you for being here because you know, like we're getting the uh, you know the physical beings, the fleshy people are getting the, the to experience you and your energy yes. and your teachings as well as the spi as spirit who are sitting on chairs yes. all listening to this conversation. <laughs> so thank you, thank you for all you. Oh, well, uh, I hope you stayed for the whole two hours. I have to say, Michael is fascinating. Bill was absolutely right. He is just amazing. He's amazing. He touched on so many things that's happening in my life, people that I knew, things that were happening, friends. He's so switched on, that man, so psychic. Uh, he's, he really is amazing. You know, I've spoken to a lot of people. I'm blown away by Michael. Bill was right. You were right, Bill. Michael Tamora is amazing. I don't know what to say more about him, but if, you know, I think that he and Raphael teach intuition, how to get more into They have online courses and things like that, so maybe you'd like to check that out with the two of them and they have their great radio show. Um, yeah, experiencing him today is really different than watching him online because I had listened to a couple of interviews he'd done with other people. 
And I thought they were nice and it was lovely and everything, but experiencing him and feeling how he was reading me and how he was hitting on so many things that were going on in my life and in the life of people I know and clients and friends, I was just blown away by the level of his uh, awareness. Um, maybe he's not consciously aware of it, but the level of his receiving the messages that need to be given, just wow, just beautiful. Anyway, I won't rave on anymore. I hope you enjoyed the show and, um, you know, get the book, Awakened by Tech, you know, the things I do at the end of the show. Get the book, get the book. It's a great book. It's a fabulous read. And um, join the Inner Sanctum. I've just asked Michael to come in next year to be a guest in the Inner Sanctum. We're going to talk more about intuition and uh, being as tapped in to spirit as he is and maybe as I am too and um, how to really distinguish the ego knowing from the spirit knowing or your soul's knowing and the two different sort of emotional guidance systems that we have connected to our intuitive guidance system or personal guidance system as Bill calls it in the movie. It's a big subject. It's, it's, it's hard to try and teach what you live, but he did a great job of talking about that. He's a brilliant teacher. Wonderful. So thanks thanks again for joining me for another show. I hope you enjoyed it and I'll see you next time. Coming up next week is uh, Dr. Michael Gallen who wrote the book I'm Already Here about his uh, son. He had triplets about 50 odd years ago. I don't know how old his boys are now. And one of them had um, brain damage due to lack of oxygen and he lived to the age of 22. And then a few years after he died, he came to Dr. Leo, Dr. Michael, Leo, Leo Gallant, his name is, and told him he was a master soul in this, what we would perceive as damaged body and damaged mind, but he knew exactly what he was doing as this mentally challenged child or young man. And from his soul's perspective, he spoke to Dr. Gallant and he wrote this book called I'm Already Here. And it is an incredible, beautiful book. And I so look forward to chatting with Dr. Gallen next week, all about Christopher is his son's name, both his physical life and his spiritual, non-physical life and what the lessons that he learned. So tune in next week for that one. Love you all. Bye for now. <laughs>